Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Biff Bites podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Mee, and joined by my faithful co-host today, Mr. Adam Shear. How's it going, Adam? Hey, what's up, Jerry? Good to be back. Oh, yeah. We are in crunch time right now. We are less than a month away from the November exam. So things are a bit hectic, but we did want to get another episode out for you guys. And so we decided to sit down and chat about a topic that comes up quite a bit with our students and also existing CFPs. It's probably one of the biggest planning routines that you'll go through with almost all of your clients. And that is planning for college. That's right. Yeah, I would say after retirement, college funding strategies is probably the most popular topic of discussion, well, you know, with clients. Yeah, for sure. I think I think there's so many angles to look at it, uh, and the and the one thing is true both for retirement planning and for college planning that inflation is is our our worst enemy, both in the inflation of college costs, uh, but in the effect of, you know, inflation in our economy on the dollars that we're saving. So having a savings plan is essential. And what's nice, if we look at this from, I mean, both the CFP angle and also the practitioner's angle, uh, there's a way to use our fancy financial calculators to figure out the amount that we need to have, and they follow the same pattern. So we are talking education planning today, but the same types of steps that we use to solve for an education strategy also apply to the retirement side. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Adam, because at the end of the day, you know, we are using this process to solve for college saving costs, but it is a process and you can apply that process in loads of different scenarios, basically any scenario where you need to save up a set amount of money by a certain time frame so that you can have that money available. So whether it be retirement, planning for college, buying a new boat, you know, if you want to hey. do some of that. <laughs> Going sailing, that's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's let's dive right into it, Adam. Let's talk about, uh, you know, what's kind of called the, the three-step process. The, the three steps of figuring out how much cash you need to go to college. Absolutely. I, I like to break this down by following a little bit of a story in time. I find that this this helps to better understand what's happening at every step. I think one of the things that people find challenging about this is they view the whole process as just kind of one hodgepodge of a calculation. But if you segment that into three separate silos, it actually makes a lot of sense and you're able to solve for it easier. Now, that said... For a lot of practitioners out there, this is kind of enter your assumptions, put in the cost of college, talk about the time frame to college, hit go, and you get some sort of figure, right? Um, yep. But I do hear from CFPs that are out there that actually like to do this in real time with their clients, whether it be on the, the retirement side or on the education planning side. They like to compute that in real time um, with their calculators, which is actually why the CFP yeah. board requires them to know it uh, been doing it manually so i i have a quick story about yeah. that adam i i had a student who was studying for the cfp and like the entire time i was working with him like jerry 
this is a waste of time. I'm just going to plug it into Money Guide Pro or whatever software my firm uses. And I just plug it in and it does it for me. Like, why do I have to know any of this? Like, I know, but you still got to know it. You got to know it for the test. So they take it. They're successful. They get their CFP. And then I get an email from them a couple months later. And they're like, Jerry, I just have to tell you that I uh, had a client meeting. Uh, they asked to meet me for coffee. So we, we were at this, this coffee shop and I pull out the, uh, the, the, you know, the software generated college savings and they're like, Oh, Hey, by the way, we actually have $20,000 saved up already. How does this change the math? And, uh, and the past I would have freaked out because I'm like, Oh, I'll have to get back to you. I'll have to run all the numbers. And instead I was like, Oh, here, let me just pull out my calculator. And, Oh, this is what it actually looks like. Bingo. So you never know when you're not going to have access to the software or a client's going to throw a curveball your way. And knowing this information makes you look really, really smart. <laughs> you earn your salt when you whip out your calculator and you on the fly adjust the calculations and you prove to your clients, hey, I'm not just some monkey plugging things into uh, software and anyone can do it. I actually know what I'm doing. And you know this is what we have to do. Absolutely. 100%. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, we bring this back into the, the, the three phases, right. That we have to solve for. And I like to set it up by, you know, not only what are we solving for at each step, but I think almost more importantly, what is our inflation factor and why? And the, the first thing that comes to mind with step one, right. I think this is a common consideration for parents out there with kids. It, it certainly is for me. I'm I'm thinking about a couple of things today. Um, well, first of all, like what's for lunch? I'm I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> Number two, what like what do my kids have going on today? Right? Where am I taking them? To like dance class or something? But also, yeah, uh, the fact that college for my oldest daughter is only eight years away, seven years or or nine years away, right? So what is that going to look like? And the one thing that we know with college costs is that they just continue to inflate at a pace that outpaces the inflation factor for our economy. Um, yeah, I, I just looked it up, Adam. Right now, college inflation is sitting at about 8% per year. Which, that's nuts. That <laughs> like we freak out nuts. when inflation hits like 4%. Yeah. Like we're, we're in about 4% now and everyone's freaking out about the high inflation environment. College has been inflating at 8% since the 70s. It is, it is so <laughs> crazy. And But that's the theme of step one. In step one, you are a parent and you're thinking about the college costs down the line. And the big consideration there is inflation. You know, we have to take today's costs of college and we have to inflate them to a projected cost down the line. So that's what's happening mm -hmm. in step one. We're just wondering about, wow, in-state tuition at UConn is $28,000 right now. What's that look like in 10 years? Well, if we have some assumption on the inflation factor for education, we can apply that, we can use our calculator, and we can solve for what the expected cost of tuition is going to be 10 years down the line. So that's what's happening in step one. Yeah, and I feel that's a great point to bring up because that, I feel, is where people get lost in step one the most is they think they need to bring in the real rate of return. Yeah. And uh, for any of our listeners who don't know, real rate of return is just basically your return on your investments factoring in inflation. Mm -hmm. and we don't worry about real rate of return in step one because we're just thinking about college in a vacuum. We're not thinking about us uh, paying for college right now. Right now, we're just thinking how much is tuition going to cost when our child goes to college? 
you know, what is it going to cost for everyone? Not us specifically, but every person who gets into college eight years from now, how much do they need to pay? We're just thinking about it in a vacuum. So we don't worry about our rate of return at all. We only worry about the inflation rate. That's right. Yeah. So once we've established that, then we can move along. And what I always recommend that people learning this process think about are we are going to fast forward in time now. All right. So we're standing at the dorms with our basket of snacks and bedding, and we are bringing the child into their, their dorm room. Okay. So that's where we are in time. And now that the thought that's on the mind of the parent is different, it's what is the big sack of money that I need to be carrying alongside <laughs> the basket to pay for this whole thing for the next four years? And that's what we're solving for. What is in that big basket? And the, the couple of reminders I give students at this point are, it is the beginning of the college experience. It is going to require that tuition is due at the beginning of the academic year, uh, you need to be in begin mode because tuition is going to be due at the beginning of college uh, for that given year. So that's one of the big changes. And the other one is going to college is a big adjustment for parents, for students. Uh, it's an adjustment to uh, your cash flows from your accounts, right? Uh, so it's a big adjustment. And the inflation factor we use there is when you just talked about, Jerry, it's our inflation adjusted factor is the one that's put in place. And yeah, and that's exactly right. For step two, what makes it different is we're no longer thinking about college in a vacuum for everyone. We're thinking about college specifically for our family. You know, how much is college going to cost overall while also factoring in the rate of return we can get on our investments? Great point. And that's why in step two, we use the inflation adjusted return. That's right. And it's often going to be four years. I mean, there's some you know, obviously people go for five years. This is going to be different in real world applications. Um, so if you're a practitioner out there, you know, you keep that in mind. You, you try to have candid conversations with, with your clients and their families. But I know in the CFP realm, for those preparing for the November exam, that it's often four years. It's like a clean four. <laughs> Sometimes you have, uh, you know, those kids who are going to be doctor lawyers and they're, they got to plan for 16 years of school. Doctor lawyers, Yes. <laughs> Bird, bird law, bird law. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for the purpose of the CFP exam, it's it's pretty much exclusively four year calculations. That's right. And we so we solve for the big sack of money, right? That's going to last for four years, let's say, um, where we're still going to have a portion of that invested. But year over year throughout those four years, the costs are going to continue to go up. So we still have to have that inflation factor, which is why it's a big adjustment. We use the inflation adjusted rate there and we solve for what is the value of that on the first day of college the present value of all of the money we're going to spend on college uh standing at the dorms with the big sack of money and the basket of betting yep uh one other point i wanted to bring up about step two before we move on to step three is step two is where begin mode end mode starts to matter that's right so Step one, begin mode, end mode doesn't matter because there's, there's no payment. All we're doing, like we said, is we're just doing a theoretical inflation of tuition. How much is one year of college going to cost? There's no payments taking place. There's no real cash flow taking place. Begin mode, end mode doesn't matter, doesn't affect it. Step two, however, because it's a four-year payment, four years of sacks of money mm -hmm. to pay for that tuition, yep. that, that structured payment... Begin mode, end mode now matters. Right. And specifically, begin mode 
And the way I always like to tell my students is, well, think about it. If you show up for the first day of college, is the bursar of the university going to be happy when you say, oh, hey, I'll pay you at the end of the year? (laughs) No, you got to pay for that college tuition on September 1st, right as the college uh, year is starting off. So you need to be in begin mode because you are paying that tuition at the beginning of the year. No, No free trial period, right? Yeah, we'll I think if that was terms. the case, if that was the case, their colleges would get a lot less tuition payment. <laughs> like, oh, this is not worth it. <laughs> I've seen enough of this. I think I'm going to go back home. <laughs> For forty thousand dollars a year to live in a frat house. <laughs> um, yeah, it would look it would look really different if if those were the rules. But you're right. Beginning beginning of the year, that's when the payments are due, and then. Uh, to wrap things up. So now we have an idea of the big money sack that we need to have, like the big bag of money on day one at the dorms. And that is our goal. That's our savings goal. And we can find a variety of ways to fund that savings, right? We have this assumption on the investment rate. Uh, We can say, all right, well, we expect 7% returns from our college savings accounts uh, and our other investment accounts. Any of the money earmarked for this, and we can start looking back and it can be broken down in a variety of ways. Uh, like you, you brought up before, the, the clients could have started to fund this already. There could be some existing money that's already invested that needs to be accounted for. They might want to pay for this at the end of year. Let's say one of them has an incentive driven program uh, for their earnings at their work. So end of year seems like a good time when they get their bonus payout. Uh, to make a big contribution to the education funds. It could also be just a monthly automated savings type of thing. Uh, The key here is to define when that happens. Is it the beginning of the month, the end of the month? Um, And where in time each year? Is it semi-annually? Is it annually? Is it the beginning of the year? Is it the end of the year? And has Mm -hmm. any money been invested already? So this is the point in time where the factor we're looking at is the investment factor. Um, and we're, we're saving up toward that goal day one of college. Yeah. And that's, that's the big difference. Uh, just kind of wrap it up with the interest rate that you should be using for each step, you know, step one, we're only caring about college in a vacuum. So we're just looking at the pure inflation step two. Now we're in college and we're saving for college while also paying for college at the same time. So we use the hybrid, the real rate of return using both inflation and our savings rate. And now for step three, the people get confused on this where they try and use the hybrid percentage as again, the real rate of return, because they just think, you know, oh, we're saving for college and college is inflating. I got to use the real rate of return. But in reality, we've already baked in inflation into that figure that we're saving. That's a great point. It's it's baked in. We no longer need the inflation rate because that value we're saving up to is what it is after inflation takes place. So all we need is our pure rate of return that we plug in for the interest. That's rate. right. Yeah. So we've traveled back in time, right? So we're back in present day. Um, mm-hmm. We're looking ahead toward, in my case, you know, the next 10 years and the, the savings goal. And we're using the investment rate because we've already, like you said, we've used the inflation rate in step one on the way out to travel time. And now we're coming back and we could use the investment rate. So they've both been accounted for just in different places. Uh, That's a way to look at it. Exactly. And then also importantly, like you said, Adam is, you know, step three is the most fluid of the steps. And it, it really comes down to either what your real life clients are asking you 
Or what is the question asking you? You know, are they looking for a payment plan where they put, you know, money into a 529 every Mm -hmm. month? Oh, okay. We're solving for payment. Yes. Mm -hmm. Are they looking for a lump sum that they need to put into the bank account right now and forget about it for the next 18 years? Oh, we're looking for present value. We need the present value of the lump sum. So with step three, it's going to be different just depending on what's actually being looked at. And I think that really is the core of it, Adam, is um, don't get lost in the math. Whenever I see people have struggles with the college funding uh, problems and the three-step problems, it's because they get too focused on the math of it and the keystrokes, and they don't take a step back and just think about what's actually going on and what's being asked. You know, each step of this problem is a step that you take in your life on the way to college. Mm -hmm. So if you take a step back and think about, you know, where I am at in the journey, that will really help you figure out what variables you need to know and what variables you need to plug in in order to get your next set of answers. Absolutely. And this is, uh, like we said at the top, just a a very useful skill to, to be able to use on your financial calculator. It's, I, I never do these, these uh, when I'm calculating them without having a scratch piece of paper and setting it up uh, very in a very organized fashion. I, I like having, you know, I'm in step one and a part of step one is going to carry to step two, right? Because we, we, that's a part of the calculation. And another part of that's going to just translate to step three in some way, shape or form. So um, <laughs> just being organized that- with this stuff. Uh, I think it adds value in front of your clients. It is, it, I like I I like to say it's you know CFP board's greatest hits. It, it's on it's on that that list, um, and and it's just an important thing to know. And the more you practice it, like any of these calculations, the more intuitive it becomes. But the three steps: inflation, inflate that first. Step two: college is an adjustment, inflation adjusted. In step two, and then we need to figure out how to invest. So, inflation, adjust, invest, and that's that's yep, our three step yep. pattern. And you made a great point there, Adam. That was actually going to be my, my closing tip. Oh boy, is sorry. Write, write down the answer for each yes. step. I learned this, I learned this the hard way. Let Learn from my suffering. I have done these so many times. And if you don't write it down and then you're on step three and you fat finger something and you're like, oh, I messed up. Oh, what was the answer to step two? Oh, I forget. I have to go back and I have to do all the way from the beginning of step one. <laughs> Every step, get your answer for step one, write it down on the scrap piece of paper. Get your answer for step two, write it down on the scrap piece of paper. Get your answer step three, well, now you have your answer. But the point being is that way, if you fat finger something or you mess up, you can just go to your last, your save points. Think of it like old school video games and the save point. Each time you write down an answer, it's a save point and you don't have to go back all the way to the beginning. Yeah, yeah. You never want that. You never want to be launched back to the beginning when you've made all that progress. Yeah, especially on the exam, because I mean, these these questions take a while, you know, this, this, these are solid, you know, five minute questions. And uh, when you have to average two minutes a question, you don't want a five minute question turning into a 10 minute question because you fat fingered the last without without a doubt. Yeah, it's but it, it's time well spent to get to the correct answer. If you do this systematically, and you have a plan for it, you can get the answer. I mean, they're, they're very doable. Just like you said, just be organized. Step-by-step, step, save it. Step-by-step, step, clear your calculator out. Um, I've tried going through all the way and without fail, I never quite make it around to step three without messing something up and getting the answer wrong. So 
what I often will do is I'll get the answer in step one, clear out the calculator, reconfigure it. Step two, do the same. Um, and like you said, just write it down. And for more general information about this stuff, just how it looks in real practice, I like the um, some of the college board information that they release year over year. It not only speaks to that inflation piece, but it also speaks to just in terms of sources of financial aid that are out there for students and how much has been distributed in that given year, the, the previous academic year, um, just to see how that's taking shape over time. Because uh, some of the long-term trends are changing year over year on that front. And uh, each year they release just a survey, kind of an overview of the previous academic year at a glance. And you can really see how private school tuition is inflating versus public school tuition and seeing how people are making the whole college pie complete. I mean, I suspect in a lot of cases uh, that the the student loan piece is still just a huge part of this for a lot of families that are out there. Um, But having Mm -hmm. these saving strategies can at the very least offset some of those, those bigger expenses and maybe reduce the total amount of loans that would be needed to take in, uh, taken out. So uh, just a great source, a great source of practical information about where things stand uh, currently. Yep. And also, like we said, the same strategy can be used in many different ways as well. You can use this for retirement. Honestly, you can use it for any situation where you're saving for a long-term, you know, big pile of money that you're going to need consistently. Um, so retirement is the other big one that comes up, but then it's also things that, you know, maybe having a, uh, like a vacation house that's going to have a consistent series of updates or repairs mm-hmm. or a boat, because those things are just money pits and you're going to be needing to spend a lot of money on that every year anyways. <laughs> so this is a very useful skill. And also it's one of the few things that I can pretty much guarantee you will see. On oh yeah. Exam. Yeah. Without a doubt. You know? All of this stuff is relevant. All this stuff is useful because you could see it on the exam. Like you might get a uh, uh, a different exam and maybe you don't see like mech contracts or you don't see, you know, bond duration or something that I can pretty much guarantee you that you will see a college funding question on the exam just because of how universal it is and how important it is. 100%. Well, awesome. Any uh, closing thoughts, Adam, before we get out of here? Yeah. Come up with your plan. And start saving. I mean, that's, I'm just saying that to myself, right? <laughs> some some self motivation. <laughs> gotta start saving more. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. I don't even have kids yet, and I'm thinking about <laughs> starting good, to save. Good start now. <laughs> All right, Adam, you know, we also talked a lot about, uh, you know, really the theory behind saving for college today, which is awesome. But the other half of it that we didn't really touch on is the calculations of it, you know, the nitty gritty math and breaking out the calculator. Um, If our students are kind of struggling with that side of the saving for college uh, problems, uh, we do have some resources to help out with that. Uh, Can you kind of get in a little more information for our listeners who might not be aware of our jam session? Oh, yeah, of course. So in our jam sessions, this is uh, technically an exam prep supplement that Biff has released. And the idea behind the jam sessions is to walk through some commonly tested, uh, highly testable concepts in the same manner that we discuss things on the podcast, Uh, kind of informal 
casual. We have some fun with them. Uh, what they're really great for, though, is distilling the nice to know information from the need to know. And that's where we can come full circle with our college funding discussion and just get into the step by step breakdown, the more technical piece. What's also great is knowing the theory is awesome. Having a roadmap for the calculation is essential, but you need a place to practice it. And the jam sessions come with a question pool that's directly related to the material that you learn. And there are plenty of education calculation questions in there. So uh, you're on the jam sessions, Jerry. I, I'm on the jam <laughs> sessions. Brendan's on the jam sessions. Mike's on the jam sessions. It's your beloved Biff instructors. And we are just bringing some great stuff and the feedback from our students that have used this in preparation for their exam has been really outstanding. So we hope you consider that. Uh, where you can find that, Jerry, do you know this? Uh, I believe it's at our handy dandy website, uh, bostonifi.com slash jam for the jam sessions. That's right. Uh, and one thing you didn't mention too, Adam, that I really like about the jam sessions is compared to the podcast, the jam sessions are videos. Um, oh, yeah. Know, one reason why we didn't really get into the calculations today is it's kind of hard to talk about uh, math and figures and calculations just uh, over a podcast. It's much nicer to kind of have that all in front of you in the videos. Agreed. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. So it's it's several. I mean, I think I think it's about 16 hours of video instruction and uh, just overall fantastic stuff. Another thing that I'd like to mention is our brand new Biff CFP provided formula sheet course. I know that's that's a lot to say, right? There's been a buzz around this uh, in CFP circles. Uh, but essentially, there is a formula sheet that you you can use and you can access during your CFP exam. And the maddening thing about it is that it is nothing but formulas and just symbols and different combinations. And it's very intimidating to a lot of students at first glance. So what we've done here is we have gone through and created an interactive formula sheet and built a course around it. So you basically select the formula that you'd like on your computer, your tablet, and you get forwarded into a short education module where you learn to identify the variables in a given formula. You learn about their applications. You learn how to calculate with it. And you also have a pool of questions to practice. Uh, so what we found in testing this out and having some people jump on board and, and try it out is that it really builds confidence, which is so imperative when you're, you're getting ready for your CFP exam. Uh, but it really does what we do best at BIF. I think it, it takes something that appears complicated and breaks it down in a step-by-step -step way to get to a point where it's understandable um, and it's something that you can then have in your back pocket when you're walking into your exam. So it's our formula sheet mini course and uh, it's fantastic. You should check it out. Awesome. Awesome. And that's also at the bostonifi.com slash jam. So yeah, if you're just looking for some more help with the calculations and, you know, actually putting everything that we talked about today in theory, if you want to learn how to put it into practice, uh, head over there and check it out for some more in-depth instructions on, you know, how to actually do it on the exam and have those skills carry over to real life like we talked about. 
Absolutely, Jerry. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Adam. I uh, had a lot of fun today. We'll be getting another episode out right around the corner. So stay tuned and uh, good luck to all of our exam takers. Uh, you know, you are going to crush it. 100%. Go get it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Adam. Have a great one. You too. Take care, Jerry. Bye. Thank you.